Well, good morning again. Uh, Glad we can be together this morning. Uh, We are continuing in our series through the Sermon on the Mount, which, of course, we are calling Jesus' Donkey Kingdom Manifesto. Uh, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, which signified the kind of king that he came to be and the kind of kingdom that he came to establish, not one of physical power and status, uh, like as if he had like ridden in on a giant horse, you know, uh, but one of righteousness and victory and lowliness. A donkey messiah. And the Sermon on the Mount, then, is essentially Jesus' manifesto. It's Jesus laying out for us what life in this donkey kingdom is supposed to be like, uh, and thus who we as citizens of the donkey kingdom are supposed to be. So I'd like to begin today by telling you a little bit about my brother. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, I, I'm a guy who used to work really hard to be likable, be funny, you know, approachable, and someone that everybody likes, you know, and it mattered a lot to me. Uh, and while I'm getting better at that, trying to let some of that go, uh, my brother never seemed to have that problem, or at least it seemed to me. He was always just doing his own thing, right? Oblivious to other people's opinions about him. He was confident, successful, good-looking, athletic, real jerk. (laughs) Anyway, one day at lunch, uh, he came up to me and he had this big glob of mustard on his cheek. And he goes, hey, Ryan, you you got a little something on your... uh, a little something on your, on your cheek there. And of course, I started cracking up. Because obviously, you know, who is he to tell me that I got something on my cheek when he's got this big old honking yellow glob of mustard on his cheek? And of course, that's, that's the joke. And I still remember it to this day, this deadpan brother walking up. Hey, you got a little something here. With this little... <laughs> well, in Jesus' teaching on his donkey kingdom today, he's talking about the meta- metaphorical mustard on our face. Uh, So let's get into it. We're in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, and uh, some of you might notice uh, we've got some of these in the uh, seats today. Uh, These are uh, new. We just got these here. Uh, So we're going to, that's where the scripture is going to be today, not up there. So um, if you, uh, you can look it up. It's on page 460 of those Bibles, or you can use your Bible app, or if you brought your own Bible, imagine that. A hard copy Bible, you can use one of those. So if you're using the one from the church, it's on page 460. You can find it real quick. Or again, you can use the Bible app. How weird. What's Ryan doing? Making us use a Bible? What? (laughs) Technology's great, and something like that is really great. But I'll tell you, sometimes it takes things like the Bible out of our hands. (laughs) So, uh, So let's get it back in our hands, huh? So, Matthew 7, 1 to 6, starts off, says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. 
Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Okay. So, this passage starts off with, do not judge. Do not judge. A lot of people stop there. Right? Don't judge. You should never judge anyone, anyone else. Because the Bible says not to. Never judge. Don't do it. Well, that's, it's true to an extent, but that's also incomplete. Okay, so let's look at this a bit more because we're actually told in other places in the Bible to judge. So what does this mean? What are we talking about here? Well, the original Greek word that we translate as judge here uh, could mean a couple of different things. It could mean to determine or discern, or it could also mean to condemn. And it's this latter sense that's most likely being referred to in this first uh, passage here. Do not judge. Do not condemn. We're being told not to condemn type judge others. Because through the rest of scripture we see that only Jesus has that power to redeem or condemn someone. Only the faultless one can judge faultlessly. This is why Jesus tells the people who are about to stone the woman caught in adultery, some of you might know that story, that only the perfect people can throw a stone at her. And obviously everyone drops their stones and walks away. Stoning someone, for those of you who don't, don't know, was a death sentence. You, you picked up stones and you threw the stones at someone until they died. It's pretty rough. They weren't simply trying to be discerning and wise and hold this woman accountable for her actions. They were ready to condemn her to death. But we as fallen people cannot make a judgment about someone's heart because we don't have that kind of insight. All right, we can see their fruit. We can see the outer stuff, their actions, their behaviors, things like that. But the ultimate judgment of one's heart is not our job. Now, I'm going to step away from the story here for just a second as a brief aside um, about the uh, people who were trying to stone the woman caught in adultery. We could say in their defense uh, of those people um, who were about to stone this woman that they weren't being totally heartless. They were just following the command that God himself gave in the Old Testament in Leviticus. So Jesus is telling us to not do something that God was telling us to do? Like, how does this work here? But again, as we've said before, one of the things that Jesus is doing with his Sermon on the Mount here is showing the Israelites the spirit, uh, the, the spirit behind that law. Right, the Old Testament law was meant to show us God and to show us our inability to follow his law perfectly. The idea behind stoning an adulterer or stoning a person uh, if they sacrificed one of their kids to an idol or to another god was to show just how much God hated that act, right? It showed the holiness of God. But there are other laws in that same code of laws that show the mercy and kindness of God. And you couldn't just take one little law on its own. You had to discern and know God through the entirety of the law. This would be like, have you ever seen someone use a proof text? We call it a proof text. It's where you take a verse, oftentimes out of context, to defend what you believe or defend what you want to do, right? 
you might have a Bible verse that says, okay, I, I have license to do this, but you're missing what it actually means, what the testimony of the whole scripture is. That's what these guys were doing here. So through the law, you would see God's holiness and justice and his mercy and kindness. So these Jews had taken these commands and in fact didn't use their discernment. They weren't using mercy or, and compassion or self-reflection uh, when calling for this judgment. They, were, they simply went for the letter of this law in isolation and were ready to kill wantonly this woman who was caught in adultery. The law mattered more to them than the God behind the law or his creation, this woman. So here Jesus is correcting both their misunderstanding and their misapplication of that law. Okay, so uh, back, back to our passage here. I just had to talk about that for a minute because that was a question I had. So back to the idea that only God can judge the heart of a person here. Uh, in Romans 14.10, it says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. So we see that judging someone's heart, condemning, all of that kind of thing is not for us to do. But, like I said before, there are places in the Bible where we are told to judge. Right, some of these places, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, we're told that when disputes arise between believers, uh, they should be settled in the church uh, before members who can decide or judge the matter. Or uh, that the local church is to judge serious sins of its members and take appropriate action. Believers are to judge the doctrinal teaching of, uh, of teachers and preachers uh, by the word of God. We're told to be shrewd as snakes in Matthew 10, yet innocent as doves. So we see that, in fact, we are called to judge other people and situations, but... It's not meant in the condemning sort of way. Instead, it's meant in the discerning wisdom and accountability type of way. So we see that this passage isn't a blanket prohibition against judging anyone or anything. Right? Because one, we've got clarification about the kind of judging we can do and the kind that we can't do. But two, the very next verses talk to us albeit using a kind of a silly illustration, about how we are, in fact, to go about judging. Again, in the discerning sense. So let's read that next section together. Verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a, blank, a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The use of the word plank here is hilarious to me. I like saying it. I was like, plank. You know, last week I was saying there are a few funnier words in the English language than pickle. Plank, I think, is one of those kind of words. 
Some translations even have the word log, a log in your eye. Um, it, it, it would be like, have you, so when you guys have corn on the cob, like, you know, and you peel the things back, and you know the little strings on the corn on the cob? I hate those. I hate those so much. Not only is it hard to get them all off the cob, but then when you're done, even if you're doing it, like, over a big bucket, they're inevitably all over the floor. And then, anyway, I, uh. But it would be like me saying, uh, don't help someone with the little corn cob stringy things in their teeth when you've got a whole cornfield on your face. Right? It's ridiculous. Don't help someone with a toothpick in their eye when you've got a two-by-four stuck in yours. Right? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. That's what Jesus is talking about here. This is what he's doing. As further explanation for this section, uh, one of my study sources said this. Jesus does not say it is wrong to help a fellow Christian remove the speck of dust from his eye. But it is wrong for a person with a plank in his eye to offer help. I would not want to go see a dentist with two eye patches on. That hurts enough when they can see clearly, you know. Don't have something covering yourself. You can't see clearly. That wasn't part of the study sources. That was me. Going back to what the study source said, that, that is sheer hypocrisy. But when a brother in a meek and self-judging spirit removes the log in his own eye, he has the responsibility of helping his brother remove his speck. So I want to I double-click on something this commentary just said. It talked about us going to a fellow believer in a meek and self-judging spirit. I thought that was an interesting phrase, self-judging spirit. I thought it was interesting, so I wanted to look into that a little bit. So in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul is talking to the church of Corinth about communion, uh, what we do um, you know, once a month here, the, the bread and the, and the juice. He's talking to them about how to do it, and he tells everyone that they ought to examine themselves before taking the elements of bread and wine. And then in verse 31 there, he says, but if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Then in Galatians chapter 6, again, Paul uh, is talking to the church in Galatia, the city of Galatia, about accountability. And he says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves. Watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. So be discerning with regard to yourselves and watch yourself. That's the kind of spirit we're talking about when we're talking about how to judge, how to use wisdom and employ discernment. We are to judge ourselves before judging others. We need to wipe the mustard off our face before wiping the mustard off of someone else's. So ultimately, we are to make judgments, find wisdom, make good choices, call each other on the carpet if needed, right? Keep each other on the, the straight and narrow, as it were. But we do so from a self-judging posture, a posture that comes from having looked at ourselves, looked at our issues, worked with God and others uh, to gain health in those areas, and simply want to walk with others in their journey with Christ, helping along the way. So then we close out our passage today, and there's verse 6. How'd that get in there? 
Like, when I was reading through that before, did anyone else just be like, whoa, whoa, what? Right? Like, what the heck is that even doing in there? We're talking about hypocrisy, judging wisely, being discerning, using our wisdom, and then bam, dogs and pigs. <laughs> what? So reading again that verse, verse 6 says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. That really sounds out of place, right? You look at it with the, the verses that go right before it, and you're like, that doesn't fit. And then you look at the verses right after that, that doesn't fit either. What? Like, was Jesus just like totally scattershot? And he's like, oh, I meant to have that phrase earlier on in the sermon. I, I'll just say it now before I forget, right? No, that's not what's going on here. Uh, Jesus is actually giving an example of the kind of discernment Jesus is talking about here. So there are a few areas of discernment in verse 6 uh, that, uh, that, we need to, that we need to look at, um, that verse 6 points out to us. We need to discern what the pearls are, okay, what, what is sacred. And we also need to discern who the dogs and pigs are. <laughs> that might sound really bad. Some of you already have people in your mind uh, for that. Get, get them out of there. It's not them. Okay, <laughs> we just talked about how we are not the ones who are supposed to condemn type judge people. So get that out. That, that's God's job. The pearl, the sacred, is the gospel. It's, it's the kingdom. The kingdom of God is actually compared to a pearl uh, elsewhere in the New Testament. So here it's basically saying, look, there will be people who accept the gospel, the sacred, the pearl, and those who don't. Don't waste your time with those who will just trample it, treat it with disrespect, and in the process, burn you out and mess, up, mess you up for life. Right? Go to those who will receive it. And that takes discernment. Right? We can't always tell who those people are going to be ahead of time. Right? We, can't, we can't use this either as an excuse to say, oh, well, that person's so evil, they will never accept the gospel of Jesus, so I'm, I'm not even going to bother going. I'm not even going to bother talking to them. Like, no, right? This, this isn't an excuse to avoid the hard things or the difficult. Right? Otherwise, the Great Commission, the, the, the call to go and make disciples of all nations would have no meaning. As one of my sources put it, this verse is not a directive against evangelizing the Gentiles. Uh, those who were not uh, Jewish believers. This verse is not a directive against evangelizing the Gentiles, especially in a book, the Bible, full of various supports for this. Dogs and pigs refer to any persons who have given clear evidences of rejecting the gospel with vicious scorn and hardened contempt, it says. So it's a call to be discerning. And even Jesus employed this kind of wisdom, actually. Uh, there, are there were plenty of people who could not stomach Jesus' teachings, right? especially the churchy types of the day. So he went to those who would listen. And then he gave the same uh, instruction, the same uh, counsel to his students when he sent them out on their missionary trips to or the surrounding towns and villages. If they don't receive you there, shake the dust off your feet, go to the next place. Talk to those people who will listen. This wisdom is, is kind of reminiscent of the discernment that we find in one of the Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 23, 9 says, Do not speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent words. So basically stated, even if you're right, 
sometimes haters going to hate. So to live in God's donkey kingdom, to be donkey kingdom citizens, we will not be hypocrites. We'll be honest. We will be truthful and hold each other accountable. We will be wise. We will use discernment and judge correctly, humbly, and wisely. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't use our discernment or judgment until we're perfect. That's aspirational. This is what we are trying to be. But we can't wait to hold each other accountable until we're perfect, until we've got our act together. Because then that'll never happen. It's not like I'm not allowed to call someone to accountability in some area because I also have an area that I need to work on. I just need to be able to openly acknowledge the areas that I'm working on. Be humble about them. In that self-judging spirit, Right? Bringing others in to help and call others to accountability as well. And also, pretty importantly, I need to be able to receive accountability and correction from others too. Uh, there's an example uh, from the Bible of someone who lived out this kind of, of posture, and that's Paul. Uh, he was able to write letters to the early churches. I quoted from some earlier before, 1 Corinthians, Galatians. These are letters that were written to churches in those towns. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians. These are just one of, one of the letters we have to the church in Thessalonica, a second letter that we have from Paul to the church in Thessalonica. That's all those are. Um, he was able to write letters to the early churches, and in a lot of them, he's calling them on the carpet for things they were doing wrong or against Jesus' teachings. Or example, things that weren't appropriate for donkey kingdom citizens to be doing. He was holding them accountable and judging them in the discerning and wise sense of the term. Yet, in verse Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy 1.15, he was able to call himself the worst of sinners. How could the self-acknowledged worst of, worst of sinners call other people on the carpet and instruct them? Well, he was able to make these judgments and use his wisdom and discernment with these early followers of Jesus because he himself had come to recognize his own faults, his own sinfulness. He was able to see clearly because God had shown Paul himself. And he received the chastening and he grew from it. We should judge ourselves before judging others. Uh, last week, I said that we live in such an anxious society. But we also live in an incredibly judgmental society. Our culture is all about judging people, making wholesale judgments about a person from single things that they've said, when we ourselves have so many things to work on too. And look, our judgments might be entirely correct, right? We, we might be right about someone's misdeeds or something. But our own hypocrisy then not only undermines our authority, but it clouds our vision so that we have less and less of an ability to even make wise judgments in the first place. So the question then becomes, where do you need to be Self-judging. Not self-judgmental, 
right? We've got, we've got enough people with all that negative self-talk these days. I'm not talking about being judgmental about yourself. I'm talking about being discerning about yourself. Where do you need to hold yourself accountable? And we may not always see it, right? So, so uh, inviting trusted friends into our lives, life groups, uh, and getting honest can be an incredible way to help us see our own blind spots. Uh, last week, uh, just like last week, I'd like to take a minute here uh, to invite God to show us ourselves. Where do you need to be discerning about yourself? Where is there something that doesn't line up with Jesus' donkey kingdom? As we go to our time of self-reflection and prayer, uh, there's a great couple of verses in Psalm 139 uh, that you can pray. If you don't know what else to pray, if you don't know what else to do during this time, you can pray these words. Um, they'll, these words will be up on the screen. They go like this, Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So if you have no other words, you can use those. You can also just be quiet. Say, hey God, talk to me. Show me myself. So quietly to yourself and God for the next minute, and then we'll close. Father, you know our hearts. You are the only one who can make judgments on that kind of level. We cannot do that. So, Father, give us humility in our engagements with other people, in our interactions with other people, with, with, with fellow fallen image bearers along with us. Sometimes when we become followers of you, we forget the fallen part. We're still fallen. We still sin. We still mess up. And so, God, in our journey towards you, in our walk of formation, help us walk together. And God, use us, use your body, your church, to help us to look more like you. Thank you for taking that burden of condemning type judgment off of our shoulders, Lord. Ugh. It can be such a weight for us to carry when we feel like we're the ones who are supposed to do that. God, that is your job. Help us to love people better. Help us to look at the whole counsel of Scripture when knowing you. Help us to be wise and discerning in how we understand and apply your words to us. Help us to see the whole picture of you through Scripture as you have shown it to us. And use that in our engagements with others. And Father, we also pray that you would help us see the plank in our eye, the cornfield on our face, the mustard on our cheek. Help us to see those things, Lord. As we pray with you, as we pray to you and, and speak with you, as we read your word, as we interact with others in our lives, may they act as a mirror to show us ourselves. 
so that as we work on those things, we can then work with others. We bring all this to you. We know that your spirit can, can do those things for us in our lives. We pray these things for our growth and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.